Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I am here to bring you the weekend warm-up, which is our big show leading into the weekend where we cover all the big events of the week and what a week it was, not just in terms of Bayern Munich's footballing prowess and all of that and all of the on-the-field and off-the-field uh kind of, I don't want to say issues, but action that that we saw, but just some really cool things uh, that happened on the site this week. And I, I just want to start out really quickly by saying, uh, you know, it was really, really awesome to uh, spend some time this week with three of the Bayern Munich Frauen players, uh, Vivi Asai, uh Sarah Zadrazil, and Lena Magul. Uh, all three ladies, excellent interviews, uh, the great personalities, great attitudes, uh, just a lot of fun to uh, work with in an interview format. So I will say, like, it was really a blast talking to them. And, uh, you know, it's really funny when you're doing this on Zoom, right? Because, you know, listen, I'm not a uh, Brad Pitt kind of looking guy, right? So it's just kind of funny where I was kind of wondering, are they looking at me and, like, saying, this guy is a complete clown and kind of laughing at me, or were they really enjoying the conversation? But, uh, you know, I really I had a great time with them. They had, I just really can't say enough about uh, how they approached things and how professional they were and just the, just the energy that all three players brought to that kind of format um, I've been doing this a long time and I have talked to some dead fish in terms of players and coaches that don't want to give you anything and they don't really want to let their personalities out there. But I will say that these were three of the more fun interviews that I've had. Um, they were just really, you know, really great to talk to. And, uh, if you get a chance to check out our site this week, we've been doing a lot with that material. We did a little bit of a preview for the women's cup. Obviously, we covered that game uh, pretty in-depth with our live blog, awards, observations, and tweets. And, you know, we're now releasing the interviews uh, kind of one by one and uh, taking the highlights from those and uh, releasing them on the blog as well. So if you get a chance, check them out. Um, this Frown team, not only is it deep and talented, but they're they're a lot of fun. So if you're not watching them, you really don't know what you're missing. Uh, I would recommend checking them out whenever you get the opportunity. But as for the men's side, it was uh, a very eventful week, right? So, you know, the league season started out last Friday and that uh, culminated in a 1-1 draw with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, I think a lot of fans walked away disappointed in that, but truthfully, I really wasn't. I respect uh, Gladbach as a side. I knew they have a lot of talent uh, and they always give Bayern problems. This was Byron's first match under Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, they have just a, you know, a lot of changes within the roster, not just in terms of personnel, but the dynamic in not having players like David Alaba or Jerome Boateng or Javi Martinez there. Uh, so, you know, whatever, whatever the result was, I wasn't really disappointed with the draw. Uh, sure, you would really like to see Byron come out and win right off the bat and get those three points, but uh, it was a difficult matchup. And, you know, let's be honest, like Bayern coming out of the preseason, uh, they didn't have all of their players until very late into the preseason. So there was not a lot of great preparation and uh, a 1-1 draw at that stage. You know, I'm not going to complain about it, to be honest. Later in the week, however, when they got to the DFL Super Cup, uh, that... <laughs> 
that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was an intense match, and I think we saw really a lot of the best of both teams there, the best of both the teams. I mean, really, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund really went after each other. It was an intense battle. It was a lot of fun. The game was fast-paced, uh, and you know, if you like football, you obviously were watching that and impressed at the way both teams played. You know, for me personally, when I watched that, I was just really impressed with the Bayern back line. It's not easy to deal with Erling Haaland, who we will touch on in a little bit, and Marco Royce. Uh, you know, and, and let's be honest, I feel like Torgan Hazard not being there probably was beneficial to Bayern, but you cannot take away the work of Dio Upamecano, Nicholas Sula, Josip Stanisic, and Alfonso Davies. I thought they were just excellent on the day. Sure, uh, Dortmund did get some chances, and yes, they had some good chances they probably should have made, but... I mean, let's let's be honest. This is Erling Haaland. This is Marco Royce. These are these are world class players. Uh, you know, Jude Bellingham. These are these are players that are legitimate. And the fact that Bayern was able to really control that game for the most part, keep the pressure on, and really avoid Dortmund hitting those home runs. Uh, you know, I was I came away really impressed with the defense. You have to understand, in every game, you're going to be, there's going to be a breakdown. There are going to be multiple breakdowns. There are going to be good opportunities for the other team. But the key was, Byron had Manuel Neuer. Byron had an overall consistent effort on the back line. And offensively, they had Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Muller, which made a big difference in this game. And, you know, if with things going the way they are, it seems like a lot of the offense is going to have to be generated up the middle. So, Lewandowski and Muller are going to have to have big seasons. And if, if that game was any indication, I think they're both very, very capable of doing that. So those were the big, really big on-field events for the week. I mean, we covered them extensively on the site. And God knows with all of the podcasts that we've done lately, uh, you're getting all of that coverage every time you hit BFW. But some of the off-the-field stuff that really stood out for this week and Lewandowski, I mean, he's one we just talked about, but you know, the news broke uh, this week that once again we're hearing that he he wants to to move on. He wants a new challenge, and this is not the first time we heard this. You could go back to 2018, and we heard that story back then, and we've heard it several times this summer. And listen, I'm not going to be so quick to dismiss that he kind of feels that way because let's be honest, he is a player that's. He's going into the twilight of his career, no matter how great of shape he's in. These are the years of his career where he's he's kind of gotten past that point in his prime where he's ascending. And I'm not saying he's descending right now. I just think he's kind of just leveling. And luckily for him, his level is greatness because right now, if you ask me, he's the best player on the planet. But in terms of a club and having the plan for the future, Byron is in just an awkward situation because... Obviously, you would want this kind of player with you all the time. He is the best player in the world right now. He is the best striker. He can beat you any number of ways. He's just that good. But how do you plan for the future, one, if you're not sure that he totally is bought into your project? And, And people might wonder why I would say that. At some point, you know, these flirtations with Real Madrid or the Premier League or whatever, there has to be some kind of merit there. I mean, it's not the first time we've heard this. In short, Pini Zahavi, Lewandowski's agent, is is infamous for creating these kinds of media situations where 
he's dropping information and trying to force a club's hand like Bayern Munich into giving an extension for his client. This just rings a little different. And like I said, I'm not 100% bought in that it's legitimate and Lewandowski's definitely going to leave. I, I don't know that. What I do know is he's not leaving this year. There's no shot Bayern would let him go. I mean, this is Bayern Munich. They have a chance to win the Champions League every year. There was no way in hell they would be letting the best striker on earth go when they are in <clears throat> competition, uh, a legitimate competition to win a Champions League title. Now, I know a lot of people might disagree with that this season, but again, they have a deep squad, a good squad, a talented squad. They could do it. So there's no shot he leaves now. But, you know, there could be just an inkling or something in his head that's saying, I'm heading out. I've got, I don't know, even in the even with the great shape that he's in, he could be thinking that he's only got three, four, five years left. And he might want to try something new. Like, listen, we've heard him talk about coming to MLS. So it wouldn't shock me if Lewandowski wanted to try one more destination in his career and then head off to the MLS or MLS, sorry, to, uh, to you know, kind of wind down his career. That wouldn't shock me at all. Now, do I, do I think that it's going to happen? I, I don't know. I don't know. But one thing I do know is that with Erling Haaland's release clause next year, Bayern Munich is going to have some tough decisions to make. Now, if you're me and it's not my money to spend, hell, I am going out and getting Haaland and I'm going to work with this formation and figure out a way to get Thomas Muller, Robert Lewandowski, and Erling Haaland on the field all at the same time. And I, I, would, I would go to battle with that trio leading the attack any day. But in a, in a realistic world, that's that's probably not going to happen. So if Bayern was seriously going to get in on the bidding for Holland, and if you believe Fabrizio Romano, who I, I think is one of the, the best transfer experts out there, because he typically is not just floating ideas out there. He's floating information that he has. So to me, when he says something to the effect of Bayern Munich will be involved in the bidding for Erling Holland. I think that's legitimate. So there has to be something going on. And whether that's, you know, Bayern keeping all of their options open, which is possible, or Lewandowski thinking about one more challenge, I mean, it's also possible. In the end, Bayern has to do what's best for the club. And as much as all fans love Lewandowski, there's a legitimate chance he wants to move on. So if that happens, no matter how slim those chances are, Bayern has to be ready. So I don't mind or actually, I mean, I don't even want to say I don't mind. I like the fact that they are anticipating being able to get in on the bidding for Erling Haaland. I think that kid is, he is the one player on earth right now that I think you could look at and say he is a can't miss. He's big, he's strong, he's extremely fast. And as good as he is right now, I mean, he can beat you in a million different ways scoring. I think he's just kind of at the tip of the iceberg of what he can be as a player. And I think if he was in an environment like Bayern Munich, surrounded by that much talent, and that's no disrespect to Borussia Dortmund, uh, I think if Holland was in Bayern Munich and he had that reassurance that he was going to be competing for a Champions League every year, that he was going to win titles every year, or at least have a hell of a chance to do that every year, he would absolutely... Be, respond to that and even take his game to new heights. So, uh, you know, we can all kind of dismiss the Lewandowski rumors. To me, I'm not going to throw it out. 
I'm going to acknowledge that, sure, maybe he does uh, want a new challenge. But at the same time, you know, I am happy to hear that Bayern Munich is not completely shutting the door on Erling Haaland because it would be just beyond stupid to not pursue him if you had the opportunity, regardless of whether Robert Lewandowski is there or not. Um, and, you know, thinking about transfers and targets and everything, one of the really, really sad stories of this transfer window is Quentin Tolisso, who... You know, he had a, you know, he came in as a sub against Dortmund and he had a key play. He made the big tackle that forced the turnover that led to Robert Lewandowski's second goal. Uh, Tolisso is one of these players. He has just unfortunately been snake bitten. We've talked about him on the weekend warm-up several times because he is an incredible talent. He, he really is. Whether the move to Bayern Munich came at the right time for him or not is really up for debate, but... What has happened since he came to Bayern Munich in between these flashes of brilliance that we've seen is he's just been injured way too much. And I know as a player, if I was him, right, I would want to go and I'd want to start fresh because I look at around the roster and I see Joshua Kimmich and I see Leon Gretzka and I see Thomas Muller. And I don't think that I'm breaking in that three because I'm being realistic with myself. So I'd want to be somewhere that would offer me more playing time if I was him and I was at that stage of my career. And I'd especially <laughs> kind of be looking for a new destination if I heard the club I was at was also looking to bring in Marcel Sabitzer. Because if Sabitzer comes in, for all intents and purposes, Tolisso just becomes a deep reserve who probably doesn't play that much unless Bayern gets hit with a slew of injuries. My biggest question is, why won't anyone bid on him? And sure, the easy response is, well, because you you idiot, you just said he's always hurt. But the thing is, if you're a club, you know you can get him now at a cut rate fee. Like, nobody's paying $40 million for Quarantan Talisa right now. Nobody's paying $20 million. I mean, Byron might be lucky to get $10 million for him, and it's not because he lacks talent. It's just because he can't stay on the field. So, for me, if I'm a club that's looking to either not rebuild but just cap off my roster or strengthen the position and I could I could realistically put him in as a starter I would absolutely look at my budget and see if I could work out something with Bayern Munich to bring him in and you know Tolisso is ultimately a player that could still play a valuable role at some point for Bayern Munich but for him as a player he's got to be looking at the situation and and just want to move on to be somewhere where he could be part of the 11 on a regular basis and really get his career back on track. I truly believe that's the best thing for him. I don't think sitting uh, on the bench at Bayern Munich for the next year and then leaving on a free transfer really benefits anyone. And I'd be really shocked if Bayern Munich let that happen. Uh, because, one, I mean, we just saw Jerome Boateng and Javi Martinez and David Alba all leave. I mean, Bayern got nothing for them. Uh, and it's unfortunate because you have talent like that. You have to, if you're going to let that talent leave, you have to get something for it. Uh, you need some uh, return on that investment that's financial. You can't just have the return in, uh, you know, return on investment on the field with championships. You need some financial uh, backing. To you need some fi financial backing to get right back to you. So, uh I'd be shocked if, if Byron let Tolisso go and didn't get anything. But another player in that same situation is Nicholas Sula, who 
he's another one. I love the way he's playing right now. I'm, I'm a I'm a Sula guy. I, I think that he has a unique blend of size and speed and passing ability and dribbling ability that he could really develop into a top tier center back. And I think had he not had had he not injured his knee, he was uh, progressing right on that path. Now, unfortunately for Sula, he's also got to look at this roster. You know, he can look around and see that Byron just made a big investment in Dio Moncano. He can look around and see that Luca, Luca Hernandez is injured right now, but is probably going to be slated to a center back position when he comes back. He can look and he can see Tangai Nianzu as a young player waiting in the wings, or even players like Chris Richards, who I'm a big fan of, uh, but just a player who can't seem to break through a Bayern Munich at this point. There's a lot of competition there at Bayern Munich. And, you know, for me, Sula would undoubtedly be one of my top two. I mean, if if everyone was healthy right now, I'd be riding Sula and Hernandez and Upamakano is a three-headed monster that I would have a rotation with because obviously with that kind of talent, if you're going to play a system with two center backs, you know, you want to keep them happy and you want to keep them healthy. And that's a great way to do it if you can work out a, a good rotation, which obviously... Julian Nagelsmann can absolutely do. Uh, so for me, that would be the best case scenario. But the longer this goes on without Sula having a contract, similar to Tolisso, I'm getting worried that he's yet another talented player who has value that could leave. Now, I don't want to see Sula leave. And, you know, you could look at his situation and you could say, well, it's very similar to Tolisso, right? Like there's a lot of a lot of depth at that position and he might get more playing time elsewhere. Sure he would, but he, uh, to me, he is in a good enough position on the squad where he is still going to be able to contribute on a regular basis. I'm not so sure that Quarantine Tolisso can do that, but regardless, if Byron lets either or both of those two players leave for nothing, I think that would be a big loss for the club. It would not be a good look for the front office. And I think that Brazo might find himself in some hot water if he can't make find a way to either sign those players to extensions or sell them and get at least some kind of financial return for them. So that's one thing we really have to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks as this transfer window winds down. Uh, it really, it really, if we get down to it and those players are still on the roster and they haven't signed extensions, things could really, really get tense uh, from a roster planning standpoint for the Bayern Munich front office. Uh, you know, and finally, I think the, the last thing uh, that we're going to touch on in this warm-up is, you know, this season, the expectations for Bayern Munich are all over the place. I think the more people I interact with, whether it's on social media or people I talk to or people on the site, are, are more pessimistic than optimistic. And that's kind of puzzling to me. Like, I get it. There was some turnover on the roster at Bayern Munich. I get it. There's a new coach there. Losing Hansi Flick is, is immense, but this is a, a professional roster. This is a great roster. And as thin as some people may make it sound, at this starting 11 I'd put up against anybody. In fact, you give me the, the top 13, 14 players I would put up against anybody. And to me... That's what you need. The, that is how you win the Champions League. You have to be healthy for one. You have to avoid serious injuries. And you have to have a really strong top 14. And, and I think Bayern Munich has that. 
And I think they have some players that are starting to emerge that might be able to make that leap. Josip Stanisic is one. What we've seen him do this preseason, uh, whether at right back, left back, center back, or defensive midfield, he has proven he's versatile enough to, to be on the game day roster. He's proven he's good enough to make spot starts. Can he consistently do this? Through two games, I'd say he's been damn good, and he is well on his way to, to proving his mettle for Julian Nagelsmann and showing that he might be a player that could eventually break through here. And, and I, I think that that's a good example of the kind of young talent that Bayern Munich has, but we rarely see because it's so hard to get them on the field. Uh, Torben Ryan is, is a good young player, a good young midfielder. I like Taylor Booth a lot as well. Uh, if you even go to Armindo Sieb, he is another one. He is a talented wing. He could probably be get first-team minutes for a lot of squads, but at Bayern Munich, I mean, he's the fifth winger choice probably. So uh, it just tells you the kind of depth that Bayern has right now. And as far as whether this is going to be a successful season or not under Nagelsmann, uh, I'm, I'm more optimistic than most. I think Bayern has a legitimate chance, not just... To, to win the league or win the Pokal. I think they're they're in the running again for the champions. Like I, I firmly believe that because I, I believe that Lewandowski is playing at such a level that if he stays healthy, he's near impossible to stop. I think Thomas Muller still has so much gas in the tank and so much energy and, and so much leadership that he brings to the pitch that he elevates the players around him. I think Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka are borderline the best central midfield on earth right there, right now. And, and and when you have that kind of backbone, you have that kind of stability up the middle, and if you want to add Manuel Neuer to the mix and how good Upamecano and Sula and Hernandez could be as a three-headed monster for those two center back positions, you have that kind of backbone uh, for your team, I think you're in good shape. Where I worry, uh, you know, I worry about the wings. I worry, can Alfonso Davies stay healthy? I worry, you know, can he regain that consistency that he showed in the in, in the 2019-2020 season? Because I don't think we've seen that too much over the past season, uh, over last season and the beginning of this year. I think Davies has a propensity to go up and down, but he's got so much talent and so much ability that you have to think that he's going to put it all together and really elevate himself to, to superstar status. Uh, you know, a lot of people worry about Benjamin Pavar, but I, I don't worry too much about that. Not only do I like what I see out of Stanisic as someone who might be able to fill in there, but I like Pavar more than most. I think that Bayern doesn't need two outside backs to constantly be charging up the field. And if if that is how Davies is going to play, I don't necessarily know that you need Pavar to do that. Uh, because it, it, in one way, if Pavar is not as aggressive charging forward, it still can provide Bayern with at least three defenders back when Davies gets up near the opposing end line, which he has a, has a great ability to do. And, and all the credit to him is he has such great recovery speed, he often does not get burnt back either. But I'm not really worried about this lineup. I, I actually really like it. So for me, this first season under Nagelsmann, I'm optimistic for it. I'm, I wasn't worried about the draw that we saw last weekend. I was not worried at all about Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund and how that would turn out. I, I really strongly felt Bayern Munich was the better team and would show it. So 
right now I'm riding high on this. I'm very optimistic. And, uh, you know, this has been, it's been a lot of fun so far. We had a fun preseason. We've had a fun opening couple of games. And for me, this is just, you know, this is exciting. We're at the beginning of the season. We've got this whole long journey ahead of us. And we get a chance to sit back and enjoy it. And in between all of the great games and the action we're going to see on the pitch, there's just absolute craziness going on off the pitch for Bayern Munich in terms of who's coming, who's going, who wants to leave, who wants to stay, who's getting a contract extension. It's completely crazy. And that's part of what makes this job so much fun. So on that note, I will close this show down. I want to thank you all for listening again. Again, if you get a chance to check out any of the stuff that we've done with the Frown, please check that out. I, I can't implore you enough to support that team. You know, we've got a bunch of people on the site who are really big supporters of not just the Frown, but the youth teams at Bayern Munich. And I think the more you get into Bayern and the more you get into the Bundesliga, the more you will get into things like the Frown and, and the youth teams. And you can invest a little more time and figure out that, you know, it's not just the the men's senior team that makes Byron so great. If you look at the Frown or you look at the youth teams, you can see some one, you see great talent, two, you see quality, and three, you see some some fun players to watch. So, you know, check them out. Keep coming to the site. Keep downloading our podcasts. Uh, again, I love bringing you guys the weekend warm up. We will probably be doing some guests coming up. Uh, Probably mostly some people on the site, but we may also uh, bring in some outsiders to liven things up. But, uh, hey, have a good weekend, crack a beer, and we will see you next week. Have a good one.